Will you take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 14? We're going to look at verses 1 through 3, and the message of the song is pretty much the message that we are bringing today. The title of the message is The Rapture of the Church. This is message number 6 in a 10-message series titled Believe This. There are some things that, that I'm wanting to make sure that you get and, and that you understand, that you believe in your heart, and that you see in Scripture how these things are laid out and how these things are true. And today, the rapture of the church. At the height of World War II, prominent theologian Diedrich Bonhoeffer was imprisoned for taking a stand against Hitler. Even so, he continued to urge fellow believers to resist the Nazi tyranny. A group of Christians believing that Hitler was the Antichrist asked Bonhoeffer, why do you expose yourself to all this danger? Jesus will return any day, and all your work and suffering will be for nothing. Bonhoeffer replied, if Jesus returns tomorrow, then tomorrow I'll rest from my labor. But today I have work to do. I must continue the struggle until it's finished. What an insightful statement by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The Bible says that we are to engage in business until Jesus comes. In the King James Version, the word is occupy. We are to <clears throat> occupy until Jesus comes. Here's what that means. This means that we are to do our everyday business to the best of our ability so that when he comes, he finds us in the course of life doing those things that we should be doing in preparation for his coming, in knowledge and in light of his coming. The next big event on the calendar of our calendar, on our spiritual calendar, the next big event is what we refer to as the rapture of the church, the time when Jesus comes for his saints. As you've heard me say before, if uh, you've listened to me preach very much, you've heard me say that the rapture is when Jesus comes for his saints, and the second coming is when Jesus comes with his saints. The second part of Christ's coming ushers in the rule and reign on earth of Jesus Christ for a thousand years. We refer to that as the millennial reign. If you want to read about that when you go home today, take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 20 and read Revelation 20. When we say that we are looking, that is, we in this church age, are looking for the imminent return of Jesus Christ, we're talking about the rapture. We're not talking about the second coming at that point. We're speaking of the rapture. The word imminent simply means that it could happen at any time. The word imminent means that it could happen at any moment. There's absolutely nothing, nothing which must happen for the rapture to occur. Now, people see this happening and that happening, and they say, oh, my goodness, uh, it must mean that the Lord's coming is near. Well, and there are certain things that we see that indicate the second coming of Jesus Christ. However, the rapture has no indicators. There is nothing to indicate uh, that the rapture is going to come. 
other than the fact that we are seeing growing signs of the second coming of Christ, and there is uh, a certainty, uh, and we'll see that today, that the rapture will occur prior to that time. There are no signs that point to the rapture. All prophetic signs point to the second coming of Jesus Christ and to His millennial reign. Now, the return of Christ should be a comfort to every believer. If you are a born-again believer, when you hear the preaching about the second coming of Jesus Christ, about the rapture of the church, that should be a comfort to you. It should not disturb you. It should not, uh, I mean, if you have loved ones that you need to reach prior to the rapture, then that should bother you. But it shouldn't cause you personal uh, consternation that Jesus is coming again if you are indeed born again. Here's our text, John 14 and verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. I like the King James word mansions, but it says many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. We're going to answer three questions today. Here they are. We're going to answer the question, what is the rapture? The second question is, when is the rapture? And perhaps the most important question is, what if you miss the rapture? First of all, what is the rapture? One of the oddities about the rapture of the church is that we use a word to define an event, a word that is not found in the Bible. We never find the word rapture in the Bible. The meaning of the word rapture is there, but the word itself is not there. Let me give you another word that we don't find in the Bible, though we absolutely understand the meaning. We do not find the word trinity in the Bible. We speak of the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit as the trinity. That is not in the Bible. You don't find the word Trinity in the Bible. So when we're talking about this, please understand that we're using a descriptive word for an event that's going to take place. The word rapture simply means to transport. We're talking about the transportation of millions of Christians and glorified bodies from the earth to heaven. Now let me just stop right there. For some of you, that seems just utterly fantastic. What in the world is this guy preaching? You mean he's saying that millions of people are going to vanish from the face of the earth? Yes, that's what I'm saying. But let me say this to you. I find that no more fantastic than that uh, a woman conceived a baby uh, by the Holy Spirit of God. She was a virgin, and she gave birth to that baby. That woman's name was Mary. That baby was Jesus. I find it no more fantastic than the fact that that baby that was born lived 33 years and died on the cross for our sins. And on the third day, he rose again from the grave under his own power. He is God, God incarnate. I do not find that fantastic. The same Bible that brought me the virgin birth, the same Bible that brought me the the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, and by the way, the ascension of Jesus Christ, 
going up into heaven into the presence of the Father, that same Bible brings to me the reality that Jesus will return. And he is going to return for me, and he is going to return for you. We're talking about the transportation of millions of Christians from the earth into heaven. Here's the passage that describes this fabulous event. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a, a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage, there it is, an encouragement, encourage one another with these words. Now here are the details of the rapture. First of all, the rapture is a personal appearance. It is a personal appearance. The other night, one of my sons went to hear Garth Brooks in person in Orlando. He really liked it. He saw him in a personal appearance. Some of you are saying, who is Garth Brooks? Understandably so. A lot of you have gone and seen people in person. We have personally seen them. I want to tell you that with Jesus and his return, it is a personal appearance, far more impressive than anybody we've ever seen in person. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with a sound of trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. This is something that Jesus plans to do personally. When the rapture occurs, we can count on seeing Jesus personally, and we can count on seeing Jesus immediately. If it is important to you to have Jesus be the first face that you see when you leave this life, you can be reassured that Jesus will be the first face you see if you are here when the rapture of the church takes place. It may be that he'll be the first face you see anyway, even upon death. The rapture is a personal appearance of Jesus Christ. Now, let's break that down a little bit further because there's some things about it that you should understand. First of all, it is a mystery. In fact, that's what 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one says. Behold, I tell you a mystery. <clears throat> we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we <clears throat> shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Now, in the New Testament, the word mystery doesn't mean mystery like we think of a mystery. It means a truth not previously revealed. 
So in this passage of Scripture, a truth that had not been previously revealed is now revealed in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the first real description of the rapture. In, in our terms, a mystery is something we can't figure out. But in the Bible terms, it's a truth that has not been previously revealed. The verses from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tell us that God doesn't want us to be ignorant or in mystery regarding the rapture of the church. That being said, there are plenty of people who are in complete darkness about the rapture. In fact, I would say this. There may be somebody here today, certainly somebody who's, who is watching by way of live streaming. <clears throat> there is somebody here today who has never heard this doctrine preached from the pulpit. You've never heard a pastor or an evangelist, anyone preach what I'm preaching to you today. It is absolutely <clears throat> foreign to you. But that being said, the rapture of the church is going to take place. Whether or not we're in complete darkness or not, the rapture of the church is going to take place. So it's a personal appearance. And let me tell you this, that mystery happens in a millisecond. It is immediate. It is without any precedence. Look how quickly verse 52 describes it. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. How many of you have ever had an automobile accident? Would you raise your hand? You've had or been involved in an automobile accident. How quickly did that happen? <clears throat> did that happen in slow motion and you had time to avoid it? You had time not to have the accident, but you said, I'm going to go ahead and have the accident. I think I'll just go ahead and crash into that or go ahead and <clears throat> let that crash into me. I mean, after all, it's just an accident. I'm going to, no, no. Those things happen extremely fast. And the idea of the rapture of the church is well beyond the speed of anything like that. There are people who think, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to outguess God. I'm not going to prepare uh, for the second coming. I'm not going to prepare for the rapture prior to the second coming. I'm not going to prepare to go to heaven until I think that I'm about ready to die or <clears throat> until I think that the Lord's going to come. Then I'm going to get ready. I'm going <clears> to <throat> get ready just like Brother Larry saying. He said, I wish we'd all been ready and, and I'm going to wait until I'm going to get all, I'm going to squeeze all the juice out of life that I can get and <clears throat> then I'm going to get ready. That, that's, a, that's an exercise in futility. It is futile to try to time or predict the rapture and then decide that you're going to start get right with God and start living for Him. It's a mysterious occurrence that happens in a millisecond, and in that millisecond there is a modification. Verse 51 again, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be, look, changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. There's going to be a change. At the rapture, there's going to be a change. There'll be a change for those who are alive. There'll be a change for those who are dead. There, there'll be no more disease. None. No disease at all. My grandson Bradford spent the night with us last night. And, and uh, as we were getting dressed this morning, I think he watched some uh, uh, commercial on television 
back in our bedroom, and uh, he looked over me and asked a random question. He said, Pops, do you carry any diseases? <laughs> I, said, I said to him, the, the only condition that I think that I have is just being way too handsome, but you can't catch that. So, buddy, I don't know. I don't think I, I carry any <clears throat> diseases. There'll be no more disease. There's no more dealing with distance between ourselves and loved ones. There's no more <clears throat> goodbyes. All of the bad days, all, at the rapture, all of the bad days are over, suddenly over. No more elections. Amen? No more. No more commercials about elections. Amen? It's going to be a wonderful time when we'll be able to not have to deal with any commercials on TV that says how much I hate this person and you ought to hate them too. Or how much I hate this person and you ought to hate them too. None of that. Verse 52 says that the dead will be raised imperishable. Now the word imperishable means enduring forever. Right now we have perishable bodies. When we die, our spirit goes to be with the Lord. The Bible says absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8. But at the rapture, the transportation of the church, those sainted dead are resurrected to meet the Lord in the air. In heaven, we will have a bodily presence that is imperishable. It is without disease. It is without decay. It is without any threat of death. When we are in the presence of the Lord, there is no longer a threat of death. And by the way, do you know why? Because he has conquered the grave. He has conquered the grave. There are other changes too. There's changes on earth. For instance, the personal appearance of Jesus will bring about much confusion for those who are left behind. This will be a problem as God's influence leaves the earth in one instant immeasurable uh, point in time. Have you ever thought about that? We're going to read a verse in just a moment, uh, some verses about when, when the one who now restrains <clears throat> no longer restrains. Do you know what the restraining power on the earth is today? The restraining power on the earth today is the presence of the Holy Spirit on the earth. Do you know where the Holy Spirit dwells on the earth? In the hearts and lives of believers. We are the keeping place of the Holy Spirit of God. You say, well, I think the Spirit is in this room. The Spirit may very well be in this room, but I'm going to tell you this. The Spirit came to church today in me. And the Spirit came to church in you if you're born again. There's coming a day, it's the rapture, when the presence of the Holy Spirit on this earth is removed. And when that presence of the Holy Spirit is removed, there are immeasurable problems in time. It is a huge, huge issue. There are other changes that are going to take place, but it's a big problem. The rapture is a personal appearance, and that personal appearance leads to a personal departure. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we will always be with the Lord. Now, Pastor Ray, tell us really, what does that really mean? All right, I'm going to break it down for you. Then we who are alive, who are left, 
will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. That's what it means. You ever read something so plain like that and go, hmm, I wonder what that means. You ever been in a store and there was a door that opened to the outside and if you, it, it was a sign on that door that says, do not push unless an emergency, an alarm will sound? We've got one of those doors downstairs. Don't go out it. If you go out it, everyone will know that it's you. It is tied to the Leon County Sheriff's Office SWAT team. Helicopters will circle this church as soon as you push that. No, seriously, have you ever seen that on, on, on a door and say, now I wonder what would happen if I push that door? You know exactly what's going to happen. It's going to make this gigantic noise. Imagine what it will be like the first few hours and days after the rapture of the saints, both dead and alive. I don't know if the graves are going to actually open up or if God will simply bring these glorified bodies together in the air, but I do know that people who are doing crucial work and parents who are providing for families and little children along with many others will immediately be missing from their normal circles, immediately. It's not a movie, folks. It's a reality. Those movies that you see about the rapture are not based on history. They're based on prophecy. And all that prophecy is is history that has not yet been made but is definitely going to be made. There's going to be, just think think this through. And I, I... you can think it all you want and take your, your minds as far, but there'll be airplane crashes. There'll be highway collisions. There'll be empty or most empty, empty churches. There'll be medical operations left undone. There'll be people vanishing from elevators. I mean, you can just go ahead and imagine. You can let your imagination run with this and still not stray too far from the reality of the chaos that will reign when all believers on the earth suddenly vanish. The rapture is a personal appearance of Jesus Christ in the clouds facilitating a personal departure of all believers. And where are they going? They're going to a permanent fellowship. That's where all the believers are going. If you're a believer, that's where you're going. Verse 17, and so will we always be with the Lord. Now, there are a lot of good times that have been broken up. They've been broken up by tiring bodies. Oh, I just can't, I can't stay up any longer. Or sleepy eyes. The process of growing up. That's, that's a lot of good good. Times have been broken by the process of growing up. Well, I guess they're too old now. Sad goodbyes. Well, when the rapture occurs, we're going to go to fellowship, and we're going to fellowship in circles that will never be broken again. There will be no more long drives home, no more lonely houses, no more parting tears. One appearance of Jesus Christ is going to fix all of that in a moment, in a millisecond. 
The rapture is a personal appearance of Jesus Christ, bringing about the personal departure of the saints on the earth with dead and living, uh, beginning uh, permanent fellowship. The truth of the rapture should be encouraging to the believer, not discouraging. That is what the rapture is. Now, here's this question. When is the rapture? When's the rapture going to take place? Remember, the rapture is imminent. It could happen any moment with no preference, with no warning. That being said, there are some things to consider. First of all, it's what we've just said. There's no signs needed for the rapture. There are many signs that point to the second coming of Jesus Christ. That is when Jesus comes with his saints after uh, the rapture of the church to begin the millennium. And we know that some of those things have already come to pass, the most prominent of which is the the restoration of the nation Israel, which happened many, many years ago. But that is a, a, a preface, if you will, to the second coming of Jesus Christ. We know that there will be a one world government in place at the time of the Antichrist. I'm a technology guy. I, I love technology. But I know that techno, technological advances will help facilitate a one-world government. Have, have you, you can see that, can't you? Internet, cell phones, instant messaging. Friend from Argentina supposed to have an MRI yesterday. Pastor, pray for me. I'm having the MRI tomorrow. Okay, Andrea, I will. Then on Saturday, Pastor, the machine was broken and all they have is the tube and I'm not going to go in one that's closed in. I texted back a picture of a chicken. <clears throat> she said, I know, but I'm, they'll have it fixed. Now, I'm, I'm carrying on an instant conversation with a person in Argentina. And I could have very easily hit FaceTime and looked her right in the face and said, come on, Andrea. I mean, you, you look at all of, of these things. They're, they're all happening. PIN numbers. Passwords. Identification chips. If they can put an identification chip in your dog to keep up with your dog so that you don't ever lose your dog and you can track your dog on your cell phone, do you not think that it's possible that they can put one in you and track you? Do you not think that it's... Look, if... (laughs) If, if, you can, if you can take your, and I'll, I'll leave my cell phone in the car when I preach, but, but if, if, if you could take your thumb and put on your iPhone and hold it up to a pay station at McDonald's and it immediately transfers money and it pays uh, what you're going to pay for at McDonald's. If, if you can do that, do you not think that, a, that it's possible that you don't need a cell phone to do that. You just need a chip and a thumb or a finger and just walk up and go, oh, okay, Mr. Ray, have a nice day. 
Now you, you understand that's there, don't you? you? You understand that that's not impossible technology. It's probable technology, and it may already be existing technology for all that I know. Well, I said all that to say this. All of this, it, it, and, and by the way, and, and please don't take this wrong, but all of this, including I see a vision of a world without borders, all of that is, is a message toward the, the man of wickedness, the Antichrist. All of it is. You should see, have a, have a, a biblical worldview so that you will hear things differently and see things differently. Remember, all proth- and, and, and remember this, all prophetic signs that we are seeing are pointing to the second coming of Christ, not to the rapture. There are no signs pointing to the rapture. It is imminent. In fact, let me say, tell you this. The rapture will precede the tribulation. I'm going to give you a theological term to consider. I'm getting ready to define some of you. Some of you may not be this, but many of you are. If you believe, as I do, that the rapture occurs before the tribulation, and if you believe that after the tribulation, as Revelation 20 tells us, there will be a reign of Jesus Christ on this earth for 1,000 years, and that reign will be with his saints, then here's what you are. You are a pre-tribulational rapture premillennialist. Say that three times fast. You are a pre-tribulation rapture premillennialist. That means that you believe that Jesus is going to return to this earth. You believe that he is going to reign on this earth for a thousand years, as the Bible says. You believe that the saints of God are going to rule with him on this earth a thousand years. You believe there's going to be a time of tribulation. You believe that there's going to be a time of the Antichrist, a period on this earth prior to the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. You believe that, and you believe that prior to that time that Jesus Christ is going to come with a voice and and a shout, and that the dead in Christ are going to rise, and we're going to be with the Lord, and then seven years of, of absolute torment on this earth, and then the return of Jesus Christ with his saints for the second coming and the premillennial return, that then you are a premillennial, a pre-tribulational rapture premillennialist. Now, some of you might say, well, that's who I am, but I don't know why. I don't know why I'm that. It just feels good. Well, I want to cover the pre-tribulational part first. You already know that the rapture what the rapture is, but why will it precede the tribulation? Why does it come before the tribulation? I want to give you two reasons. First of all, it is the most important reason, that's God's Word. God's Word will show us the answer to that. Revelation 3 and verse 10, because you have kept my words about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Now, in the book of the Revelation, there are seven churches addressed. Each had a problem to be reckoned with, except for one church, the church at Philadelphia. These are all representative churches. That's the true church. 
And it's being given the promise of Revelation 3.10 that we just read. The hour of trial mentioned is clearly the tribulation time. And if you're saved, the same Jesus who saved you from hell and take, will take you from uh, in the rapture before hell is turned loose on earth. I don't believe I was saved from hell to go through hell. I don't believe that, I, I believe what the Bible says that I will be preserved, that I will uh, be kept from that hour of trial that is coming on the whole earth. The transport of the church before the tribulation is true because God's word says it's true. It's God's word. And you know what else it is? It's God's way. Just the way God works. Well, how can you say that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Not a drop of flood water came until Noah and his family were safely sealed in uh, the ark. Not a drop. The earth did not flood until they were safe inside. Well, I think they should have treaded water a while and, you know, just to make sure that they really repented. Well, you might, but God didn't. Also, there was no fire rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah until Lot and his family had vacated the city. None. Neither the Antichrist nor the tribulation shall take effect until we who are saved are safe with the Lord in the clouds. Believers try to figure out who the Antichrist will be. Could I tell you something? Here's, here's my view on the Antichrist. I don't care. I don't care. Who do you think it'll be? I don't care. I, I don't I don't care. What I care about is that I'm saved and my family's saved and we're living for the Lord. And when Jesus comes from heaven with a shout, I'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and so shall I ever be with the Lord. I care about that. I really do. Just make sure that you and those you touch and those you can touch are saved. Make sure your family's saved. Make sure <clears throat> your children are saved. Saved people are looking for Jesus Christ, not the Antichrist. When does the rapture come? Well, first, there are no signs about it. <clears throat> but it does take place before the tribulation. And I'm going to make a slight caveat in what I've said. It comes when the bride is complete. Now let's go very quickly to Acts 15, verse 14. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, after this I will return, I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen, I will rebuild its ruins, I will restore it. Now God has a plan. In that plan, the last soul to be saved in this day of grace is going to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. This will complete what is referred to here as the Gentile number. As soon as the rapture, as that happens, the rapture is ready. When the Gentile number, the bride of Christ, the church is ready, the rapture occurs. We don't start a wedding until the bride is ready. You don't start playing the, the processional until the bride is behind the doors and ready to come through. And when the doors open and the processional begins, the bride comes through and then there's the wedding. 
That's the way it happens. And every soul that comes to Jesus Christ is just that much closer to the bride being ready to step through the door. Some of us know that we are ready. But none of us know when that number is complete. That's why you want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. That's the reason. I said the rapture of Christ was imminent, and it is. But there is one thing that must take place. The last soul to be saved in this day of grace must receive Jesus Christ, and then we're gone. That is the time of the rapture, but I can't give you that date, uh, a date certain. And, And in fact, I will tell you this, nobody can give you a date certain on that. Why? Well, Jesus said it himself in Matthew 24, 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. You say, well, is that talking about the rapture or is that talking about uh, the, the second coming? Well, it could be talking about either one as far as that's concerned. I do know this, that after the rapture, there's going to be seven years of tribulation, then the second coming. So you, you can calculate it. If you think all of these signs are concerning the second coming, you can calculate that seven years early is going to be the rapture. In other words, it's imminent. Now, very quickly, let me close but with this. What if you miss the rapture? And the only way you can miss the rapture is by not knowing for sure that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior and Lord. That's the only way that you can miss the rapture. Being on this earth after the rapture occurs is not good, and that's putting it mildly. Here are three things that take place after the rapture. To put it bluntly, these are three things that you you will experience if you're not born again. If you are not born again, here are three things that you will experience. First of all, you will see the Antichrist. You, you will absolutely see the Antichrist. I don't know who. I don't have a clue. But I think this is something that too many good Christians trip up on rather than making the main thing the main thing. Rather than trying to figure out the Antichrist, we should be making sure our friends are saved and our family comes to Jesus and those we hardly know at all, those across the street and around the world. We should do all that we can to make sure that as many as possible are prepared for that day. Who knows? You may lead the last soul to Christ. It may be that with that last soul that you lead to Christ, the door flies open and the bride comes in. But if you miss the rapture, you will see the Antichrist. Here's the second thing. You'll experience the tribulation. The tribulation is that time when there is the mark of the beast, the, the plagues, uh, once again on the earth, plagues reminiscent of those uh, in Egypt when God's people were held in bondage. There's a worldwide persecution of those who will not receive the mark. And I don't know what the mark is, but I'm beginning to think it's some sort of chip like we mentioned earlier. There's famine and deception. Take the most troubled part of the world that you can imagine today and supersize it, and then you have some indication of, of, the, uh, of, of the severity of the tribulation. Imagine dropping yourself down uh, in, I'll tell you what do. Imagine that all of a sudden today you were taken on a flight and you were dropped down in Aleppo. 
the, the worst spot in the world for ISIS right now. So, well, I don't want to do that. Well, let me tell you this. That would be a hundred times better than being in the tribulation. Much better than being in the tribulation. And if you, if you do not come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior in this age, you will go through the tribulation. And here's the reason. This is the final thing. Your fate is sealed. There simply are no chances for salvation in the tribulation to those who reject Jesus in the day of grace. Will people be saved in the tribulation? Yes, they will. Some of the movies that I've seen about the tribulation, the rapture, and all that kind of thing have had people who were sitting in church and heard the gospel message and rejected it uh, getting saved during the tribulation. But I want to tell you something. There will be people saved during the tribulation, but there will be no one who has rejected Jesus Christ in this church age saved during the tribulation. How can you be so sure? Because the Bible says it, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is what I was referencing earlier. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only we, only he who now restrains, it will do so until he is out of the way. Now let me just stop right there. There. The he who restrains is the Holy Spirit of God. Now the Holy Spirit of God is going to be taken out of the way. How and when does the Holy Spirit of God, is it taken out of the way? The rapture of the church. Where does the Holy Spirit dwell? Within us. At the rapture of the church, the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. Look at this, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Look at verse 11. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion that they should believe what is false in order that they may be condemned, that, they, that all may be condemned, who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That doesn't need interpretation. It is what it is. This is the rapture, the transportation of the church. Does it bless you or does it frighten you? The truth of the rapture is given to us to encourage us. Not to frighten us. 1 Thessalonians 4.18 Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Well, the little girl came into her dad's office at home. And she said, Daddy, can we play? And he answered, I'm sorry, sweetheart. I'm in the middle of some work. I've got about an hour of work. And then we can play in about an hour. She said, okay. When you're finished, Daddy, I'm going to give you a great big hug. <laughs> he said, thank you very much. She went to the door. She got to the door and she turned around. And she went back and she hugged his neck as hard as she could. Her dad said, sweetheart, you said you're going to give me a hug after I finish. And she said, Daddy. I just want you to know what you've got to look forward to. Jesus is coming again. It is not a dread. It is a joy. And I just wanted you to know 
what you've got to look forward to.